Hello and welcome to episode 159 of the NFL Scotland podcast. The football returns tomorrow. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. We've gathered some of the NFL Scotland's finest for a look at hot takes. What's going to happen in the season ahead? Stay with us here on the NFL Scotland podcast and prepare to be entertained. Uh, and we're going to leave this one open. The last time we got together like this, uh, there was, you know, there was clearly alcohol involved. So let's not cast any judgment. Let's not give anything up. And those listening can decide how drunk we are based on some of the opinions that are going to come. But delighted to be joined this evening by Gordon McGuinness, by Charles Patterson, and by Ian Stephen. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Hello. <laughs> Ian, impassive as ever. <laughs> so... We're going to kick things off, though, with a little bit of news because uh, we are very excited to be doing things a little bit differently this year. Paul, we covered this a couple of podcasts ago. You know, well, a few podcasts ago, we talked about the fact that the the Bonnie Sauce Company are once again sponsoring our Pick'em. There's now, I think, over 110 people involved in that. So if you haven't already joined up, please do so. We've confirmed that Bobags, the uh, Scottish underwear company, are sponsoring... Uh, our Bobag Award this year, uh, and people who nominate for Bobag nominations will be put into a draw to win a pair of Bobags every week. Now, I made one mistake. I said they do men's underwear. They do men's and women's underwear, so this is open to everybody. Um, it's not just for people with Bobags. Uh, it's for everybody. So, you know, I'm very excited to have them involved, uh, and I'll step away from that because that's a slippery slope. Um, but there's one other sponsor who we've been working with with over the summer and we're very very excited to talk about them now so guys you're all aware because we've discussed this but for those that are listening in we obviously have a sponsor for our bobag award which means we need to do something for our belter award as we go down to just the two awards so a belter it needs to be something brilliant it needs to be something that you can celebrate it needs to be something that you can enjoy you know like a belter of a performance so on that note, we are very, very excited to be sponsored by Loch Lomond Whiskies, who have commissioned 55 bottles of a limited edition NFL Scotland whiskey that you are going to get the chance as listeners of this podcast to benefit from. Um, beautifully, you know, I don't even know how to put this into words, to be perfectly honest, but... This is a stunning bottle, and we'll get photos of this out on social media. Paul, this is something really special. Only 55 bottles, one for each Super Bowl, just to make that clear. Um, because in Scotland, 55's obviously got another connotation. It ain't got nothing to do with that. Um, it's to do with the Super Bowls. This is something really special and brilliant to be able to offer the NFL Scotland listeners the chance to take home one of these bottles of whiskey. If you've got one of these man caves or something like that, you know, one of these places out in the garden that you've you've got during the pandemic and you're going to create your own NFL area, this is what you need to be at the back of the bar. It is the classiest looking bottle of whiskey I think I've ever seen. Uh, the outer casing is tremendous. The bottle itself is wonderful. What's inside, I'm told, is even better. But there are only 55 of them. Pure limited edition. I'll take the one from the Year of the Saints one because I'm kind of like that. Uh, so at least 54 up for grabs. It's tremendous. <laughs> and yeah, you know, we will be giving um, you, the listeners, the opportunity to win one of these bottles. Um, you know, we're very, very excited to be working with Lock Lomond, who will be the lead sponsor for the NFL Scotland podcast throughout the 2021 season. Um, there's going to be other opportunities to win as well. You know, we will be doing a, a Belter Award for every single week of the season. So now we're up to 18 these days. We've obviously got the postseason. That leaves us some other bottles to give away as well. If you're coming to our live event on Sunday, this Sunday, you're going to have the opportunity to win a bottle there on the night. Uh, so very excited about that as well. And one thing just to reveal to you guys, um, because you weren't aware of this until right this very minute, Loch Lomond have pulled another one out the bag because not only are you going to get a bottle of Loch Lomond whiskey, but you're going to get two of these with it as well. Now, Cameron is holding up just the most sublime whiskey glass with the NFL Scotland logo on it and the Loch Lomond logo on it as well, which looks utterly tremendous. Um, so, yeah, your chance to get a brilliant bottle of whiskey, a great souvenir, tremendous glasses. I'd say the whole team is going to get a bottle as well, which is which is rather nice. Gordon, uh, your thoughts on that initially? You're a big whiskey drinker. 
Allegedly, I, I do like a wee drama or two. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of what local women do. They put out some very, very nice bottles. Um, so good, in fact, that even if you were to, you know, go against the grain, pardon the pun, and mix it with uh, Paul Mitchell's famous Diet Coke, I'm sure it would still taste absolutely delightful. I will be enjoying my... Don't do that. Don't do that. that. <laughs> Don't do that. Enjoy your whiskey however you want to. I will absolutely be having it just on its own. Uh, they make some cracking whiskeys, so it's a very exciting partnership. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. We're Listen, we're absolutely delighted to have Loch Lomond on board. Um, and we'll be talking about this all through the season. You know, we'll be raising a dram to the belter of the week every single week. Uh, you, the NFL Scotland podcast listener, can benefit from it as well. Absolutely great to have them involved. Uh, and, and a company that we hope to work more with as well. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we're on the Zoom call at the moment. I can see the Cheshire cat smile of Charles Patterson, who's delighted uh, to be getting a bottle of whiskey. He does like the odd dram. Does our Charles. The, um, the, the Lockleman Whiskey Company are a fantastic up-and-coming brand in this country. Um, I was fortunate enough to be a guest of them a couple of weeks ago, and I got to taste some of the some of the offerings that they have, and it, it's pretty innovative. It's pretty tasty stuff, even if you do want to mix it with Diet Coke or whatever. No, rubbish. don't do that! <laughs> Which, I, there's always something, there's always something that um, anyone who's, uh, you know, if you're not a connoisseur, if you're just stepping into the... Uh, into the into the water of life, then you can try it with something else. And uh, Loch Lomond have got a, quite a few interesting offerings out there. And uh, I, anything that looks good on the shelf is good by me. And that looks beautiful, I have to say. I'm very excited with the glasses to go with it as well. I think that, you know, the, the, the schooner glasses that we did as part of our um, week one pack last year under COVID proved to be massively popular. So the chance to get your hand on a Loch Lomond NFL Scotland whiskey tumbler as well to, to sample the delights, um, you know, a, a, a real exclusive item to get. You know, and the only way that you can get it is by being a listener and a participant with the NFL Scotland podcast. Ian, are you a whiskey drinker yourself? Yes, yes I am. Well, there's a bottle of whiskey coming to you, sir, just for being part of the team. Charles Patterson, there's a bottle of whiskey coming to you. Gordon McGuinness, oh. you've already got yours. Uh, Paul Mitchell, there is a bottle of whiskey coming to you. If you put it anywhere near Diet Coke, you are cut from this podcast. Let me tell you that right now. Cameron, I can tell you, I've never had a glass of whiskey in my life, but I might, <laughs> I might try this, I'll tell you. It's a thing of beauty, so I'll probably get one, one of your bottles and try that and keep mine in pristine condition. <laughs> also, I want to make it clear, the reason I've received mine already is because me and Cameron are in a fantasy football league together. Yes. And something I'm going to bring up on this podcast numerous times, probably every time I'm on this year, is the number of trade offers Cameron has sent me for Dalvin Cook in that league. <laughs> Last year, I think, I think the number was about eight. Uh, I kept Dalvin Cook and I've already had one. So... <laughs> I expect expect several updates throughout the year on that. The league year is young. The league year is young. There's a familiar theme here because on our um, recently drafted league from Sunday night, I got the most obtuse, ridiculous offer of a trade from Cameron. So this is not this is not something which is new. Lobbing grenades out there in the hope that some idiot might bite. Um, is par for the course as far as you're concerned. Listen, I noticed that you haven't replied to my counter offer. It's like selling carpets at a market, right? You never go in with your best offer right away. You got to work to that somewhere in the middle, right? The negotiation is part of the fun. Anyway, enough about all that. We're here to have some hot takes. Hot takes we shall have. We've written down some subject matters we'll work through. This being recorded on the night before the NFL season officially kicks off. We will go to Twitter because we've asked you for your input uh, and asked you for some ideas and some of the hot takes that we can take. So let's start with some positives. Let's start with some season-long things. And let's start at the very, very top, pretty much. Who's going to be the 2021 MVP? I, I'm going to go out and let and say Aaron Rodgers. I think everything's sitting up nicely for him. Uh, he's got slightly weird hairstyle at the moment, but apart from that, I think it's set up for Aaron Rodgers, you know, the usual fuss and, you know, all the vanity stuff beforehand. But when it comes to it, he's a top-class operator. I think Green Bay are in great shape, especially given the fact that they're in the NFC, which I think is less strong. Uh, so I'm going to put the pressure already on the Packers. Big Aaron for MVP. I like your call. I'm delighted with that. 
However, I think it would be wrong of me to put all my eggs in one basket. Um, I'm going to chuck a name out there who I think will get a lot of attention in the MVP discussion. And I think that they can go one better this year. I'm going to, I think it's Josh Allen. And I'll tell you why. Because Buffalo have got to that level where they now know that they're an elite team. And there was a lot of doubt about whether or not he would be a top quarterback. Last year, he proved it. I think he'll go a step further this year. I think the Bills can reach the Super Bowl, and I think Josh Allen's going to pilot that. I can see Rodgers having a great year. We all know what Mahomes can do. We all know what Brady can do. Um, we know what Lamar Jackson can do. There's loads of great quarterbacks out there, but I think Josh Allen can take the Bills to the Super Bowl. Right right draft class, right position, wrong player. Um Second half of last year, Baker Mayfield looked very, very good in that Kevin Stefanski offense. The Browns' schedule is a cakewalk compared to some of the other good teams in the NFL uh, because they finished third in that division. Everything sets up very well for them to win the AFC North. If they win the division, he's very much going to be in the conversation. Odell Beckham, I think, can be solid enough. I don't think he's ever going to be what we saw in his first couple of years in the league but they have enough weapons that are around him that he's going to get the opportunity to to put up some big numbers. Uh, Kevin Stefanski does a lot of very quarterback-friendly things, and I think that's going to lead him to, to the MVP. I think um, I think the arrival of Julio Jones in Nashville is going to propel Ryan Tannehill into the MVP conversation. Um, he's had... A, a couple of very, very stellar seasons after what looked like being a complete bust in Miami. He's got a solid offensive line and with Derek Henry at running back, I think there's going to be teams keen so much on the run this year that I think he's going to quietly make quite a serious push for MVP. He might not break records in terms of yardage or touchdown passes, but in terms of efficiency, he's going to be right at the top of the charts. I love that pick. I think that's great. Like he, I think he's done he's done a really good job the last couple of years. Um and thinking he's right. If he excels beyond that, then that's a great ship. Can I throw a complete curveball in the mix? In the AFC again, I think we've talked in recent weeks about how the AFC is stacked with players. Uh sorry, with teams, I should say, and top quarterbacks as well. So sorry, sorry, Charles, can I just jump in? Yeah. Um, I think you'll find that a curveball is not the right analogy when you're talking about pitches. <laughs> yeah, you're actually well, you're, you're talking about a slider. We'll do that on another podcast, don't worry. Yeah, well, in, <laughs> the um, no, the name I was thinking of was Justin Herbert, and I tell you why: if everyone happens to find a way to stay fit in San Diego, they've actually got a very deep wide receiving core and they've got Austin Eckler as a, as a running back they've got a really potent offense and they've got good defensive players if they're fit every year they seem to have a million injuries and I think the Chargers are going to make the playoffs and Herbert we saw what he did last year as a rookie if he makes the jump again why not yep uh, there's some great shouts in there I think my favorite <laughs> Yeah, I think the two most likely, not my favorite because it's two different things, the two most likely feel like Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers. The only other name that I would throw in there that's maybe got an outside chance at having a season where he is considered in the conversation would be Matt Stafford. Just because that Lions team has been so bad, I think if he can find a groove pretty quickly in LA, there's a good enough offense, there's good enough receivers there, he could be a factor. I love the fact that Matt Stafford leaves Detroit, goes to Sean McVay's offense, and all of a sudden we forget his entire career up to this point, and he's the same guy who went number one. <laughs> he's not the guy who's really streaky and has four great games and then struggles. No, no, Sean McVay is going to turn him into this. Jared Goff had streaky games where he looked like an MVP candidate under, under Sean McVay. I, I am not ready to buy the, the Matt Stafford hype in LA. Matt Stafford's better than Jared Goff, though, right? Yeah, Not much. I don't think he's much better. Oh, he's definitely better. I th- see. I think if he can be, even, I think you could be streaky and still be in the MVP conversation in the sense that as long as you're not, as long as your down streaks aren't too long. Oh dear! Right, this analogy is going down the toilet. Literally. Um, I think that yeah, Jared Goff looked good under McVeigh year one, two maybe. Um, 
nothing beyond that. I think that Matt Stafford, though, is a more uh, capable athlete. He He's more experienced. He's coming to a new place. He's going to have all of the drive behind him. If he can stay fit, I think he's a factor. You know, you look at Russell Wilson and what Russell Wilson can do in that division. That The hard thing is the consistency in the NFC West. Being able to do it all season long is tough there. But uh, the Rams, it's got a chance. He's got a chance. I still I think that Josh Allen's the right pick. Um, I'm putting Stafford in as an outside chance. I think, though, like... We can't have this conversation and not talk about who is, I'm assuming, the favourite at this point in Patrick Mahomes. Like he he's always like we're given hot takes as like, oh, this is the guy who could be the Patrick Mahomes is one eighty and you know the expectation we're in this season is he's probably gonna continue to do freaky stuff that no one else does. Um and he's gonna continue to do stuff impressively and you know, he's gonna be right there in the conversation again. I think he's a little similar to Aaron Donald on defence in that He's probably a victim of the fact that he's so good that people kind of almost overlook it a lot at this point. Is does Brady have enough <laughs> left in him to be? So I couldn't get the words out because it disgusts me saying it. Does Brady have enough in him uh, left to to win an MVP this year? Yes. No. No. He, oh, of course he does. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He can win oh. a Super Bowl. He can definitely win a Super Bowl. Can he win an? He MVP? can win a Super Bowl. He can win a Super Bowl. He can uh, he can win championship games and throw three interceptions at the same time. What <laughs> what makes an MVP? What makes an MVP? An MVP um, produces a season like Rogers last year, like Mahomes the year before that. An MVP ultimately has got to have almost a flawless season. Now it doesn't. They don't have to take their team to the Super Bowl, but as a quarterback, listen, it's a quarterback. It, unless something extraordinary happens, a quarterback is going to win it. And within that, it doesn't necessarily have to be the quarterback that reaches the Super Bowl. And Brady has got a far, far, far better chance of getting to the Super Bowl than he has of, of winning the MVP. He has got a supporting cast around him, which will enable him perhaps to go deep into the playoffs and get to the Super Bowl. I don't think, and I think we would all agree, he's not the, the quarterback he was at his very, very peak, but he's more than serviceable enough to do the job for Tampa Bay. But to be the MVP, I don't think so. See, I, I thought we were about to go into NFL Scotland podcast, the musical, when Charles went, what is an MVP? Let me tell you, what is an MVP? I was expecting a song there, Charles, because that was the perfect setup. So, but unfortunately... You want to hear my singing voice. <laughs> we'll save that oh, for the next yeah. pitched cast. A live oh, musical yes. episode. Yeah. Save, that, save that for Sunday night if you're coming up. His <laughs> regular season stats last year were 40 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Like this, I don't understand where we come from in this narrative. Coming from the company who had a guy who wrote Brady off, I think almost a decade ago, as Tom Brady is declining. Tom Brady's still still one of the very best quarterbacks in the NFL. He has the weapons. The, the reasons you highlighted, Charles, probably make it more likely that he wins MVP. He, The player he was last year... I don't think he got enough respect for how good he played at points last year. The championship game, he definitely struggled, at least in the second half, and caused some serious problems for them. That's fine. But Brady last year was tremendous. And in the in, in the Super Bowl, he was great again. Like This is a quarterback who can still absolutely dominate at a very high level. I think there's an appreciation, though, to a certain extent, of players that have to carry teams. And unless you have a freakishly good season like Rodgers did last year or Mahomes two years ago or, or three years ago or Lamar um, two seasons ago, then if you're looking at the quarterbacks it, 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 you know, on the same spectrum, you look at the ones who've maybe not got the help that he does. And Mahomes had the help the last two years. The big question for Mahomes is, is his offensive line going to be as good as it was now that it's been rebuilt? Early indications are it, it probably will be. Um, but if you're, I mean, Rogers was impeccable last year. It was a no-brainer. I don't think if you're, a, if you're, in, I'm maybe looking at this from a slightly journalistic perspective or a neutral perspective. But surely you would want to vote for someone who's carrying a team as opposed to the guy who's just got the best weapons around him. That would be my right. view. So, so if, if you laid Rogers' stats out and someone said to you and extrapolated the 17 games so that we're not doing a 16-game season, and someone put that in front of you and said. These are Tom Brady's stats next year. Would you be that surprised? I don't. I. I don't think they'll get to that level. I can. The only person I can see throwing nearly fifty touchdowns is Mahomes because of the way that that offense operates, and possibly Josh Allen. 
Um, I, I think they've got so many different weapons now, Tampa, that they can score from anywhere on the pit, anywhere on the field, and it's not just going to be from the arm of Brady. Um, you know, they've got a running game as well. They've got three running backs who are on other teams would potentially be number one running backs. So, you, listen, a lot of the you know these, the voting comes down sometimes to simple things as how many touchdowns did you get? I mean, Rogers was inflating his own stats by the end of the season to make sure he got up to near 50, 50 touchdowns. So, and there's a, the other thing is there's an extra game this year. So someone's going to go over 50. The odds are it's going to be probably someone like Mahomes ahead of Brady, I would say. So if you look at the odds at the moment, Mahomes is clearly the favourite. Rodgers in second, Brady and Allen seem to be tied third with Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Matt Stafford all together grouped. Then it's Justin Herbert and Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Ryan Tannehill, uh, so we've covered most of them there. Ryan, uh, Matt Ryan, sorry, Carson Vince, Kirk Cousins, um, Deshaun Watson's randomly on this list. We'll skip that one. Uh, Jalen Hurts is there. We then come into the non-quarterback players. So my question, follow up: If it's going to be a non-quarterback that wins the MVP, who wins it? No, it's not happening. It's not happening. <laughs> right? Any, I, any I think Christian McCaffrey's got a chance if he can if he can pull off another season, but he's got to stay healthy. Uh, that's only because you're asking me for a non-position player. That's where I would go. Gordon, who was the last? Uh, likely, who was the last one to be QB? The last last player, not uh, the last non-quarterback, was Adrian Peterson. Yeah. Right. The last non-offensive player was Lawrence Taylor in '86. Yeah. So it doesn't <laughs> happen. But still, you never know, right? It it can happen. If there is a non-quarterback, it probably is with the team who Ian had as the MVP in Tannehill, but with Derek Henry at running back, because there is like a view that he is an otherworldly, you know, not from this earth running back who will just run over and dominate people. Um, and if there is a, a running back who is ever going to stake their claim to that, much as I will state now in early September, I will be very much against that. If there's ever a running back who will win that award again, it's going to be someone like Henry, I think. Well, let us know your thoughts. Who is going to win the MVP this season? We've kind of given our thoughts. Um, we've not committed to anything. <laughs> we just said a bunch of names, but still, yeah, we'll go with that. Okay, moving on from that, though, the next question that follows up is uh, Rookie of the Year. Who do we think is primed to pick that up? And that's definitely one that's more open to a non-quarterback winning that one. Kyle Pitts uh, is a non-quarterback. I think he's got a great chance. I think he's arrived in a good place. I like the hype that surrounds him. Uh, I like his skill set. So there you go, Kyle Pitts. There's five quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks, coming into the league in the top 15, 16 picks from the last draft, if I'm mistaken. I think it will be absolutely astonishing if one of them is not rookie of the year. And so you kind of think, who's it going to be? Is it Mac Jones is starting week one? Justin Fields is probably going to start pretty soon. Trevor Lawrence, well, good luck, son. <laughs> and then um, you've got Zach Wilson. Again, good luck. And who's the fifth? I can't even remember. Justin Fields. Well, Justin Fields in Chicago. Trey and Lance. then uh, Trey Lance. So Trey Lance is the big $64 million unknown question. When does he play and how does he play? Um, I, I, I would suggest that at the moment, you would you've got to fancy Mac Jones actually because New England out of those teams are the team that are going to start him and are more likely to win the get them get to the playoffs than anybody else. I think San Francisco will probably get to the playoffs, but we don't know what Trey Lance is going to do and whether he's going to start at any point. I think though Justin Fields could be the, the he could be the revelation of the season, and I say this as someone who detests the Chicago Bears. I cannot wait to see him and what he can potentially do for that franchise, if only to give the Packers a bit of a challenge for once. I like the fact that you almost had a Freudian slip with uh, Mac Jones there, that you almost clawed back the fact that they might win the division. I, I think they will win the division. I, I think Mac Jones looked very, very good in preseason. I think this is a Patriots team that's better than the team a year ago that was just shy of the playoffs. I'm not entirely bought into the Josh Allen hype yet, as much as a lot of people think that any questions have been uh, answered already. 
I think Mac Jones can be can, can be the best quarterback from this class in year one certainly, and he's on a he's on a team with a coach who's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Like he is set up as well as you can be set up for success. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I don't even think this guy's going to be that good, but I think he's going to put up good numbers. The guy the Ravens took at the end of the first round. This is my one homer pick that I bet money on. Uh, Fabio Owe, uh, the guy they took from Penn State at the end of the first round, goes into a system that schemes up pressure for edge guys better than anyone. Matt Judon wasn't great in Baltimore um, and put up good numbers. Um, it, you know, there's there's ways there to to scheme up pressure that will allow him to be a ten sack rookie. Um, I, so I think if I was picking today, I would say Matt Jones for offensive rookie and a Fadi away for defensive rookie. I think purely just from a, a pressure voting standpoint in that the amount of influence that can be garnered, you've got to look at New York as the media capital and I think they're going to go absolutely daft for Zach Wilson. There's probably going to be a better argument for Mac Jones, I think, but I think Wilson's going to gain so much media attention that he's going to get frustrated into the the forefront of that that vote. You look at what happened when Mark Sanchez started playing reasonably well in his rookie season and the amount of hype that he got at the Jets. So I, I think I can see the same project, uh, projection with Wilson. And it also helps the fact he's a kind of flashier player than Mac Jones. He's probably going to make it on to a couple more highlight reels than maybe Jones would. So I can see him ending up with the, the rookie of the season Um on offense and in defense, you're probably looking at um, cornerback Patrick Sertain at Denver. Um, he looks like he's just an absolute fit for the pros. And it's either you're either going to have a defensive lineman that gets sacked, or you're going to have a player in the secondary that gets interceptions and will thrust them into the, the top of that voting category. And I think it's going to be Sertain. I completely agree with Ian on both of those. Uh, and that's the two names that I had written down uh, because one of my hot takes for this year is Zach Wilson is going to win. It. I'm going to reel this back a bit. He's definitely going to win more games than Trevor Lawrence. Um, and I, it's maybe not that hot a take that the Jets will win more games than the Jacks, but I definitely think he will. Uh, I'm almost at the point of saying that Zach Wilson will win double the amount of games of Trevor Lawrence, and that's oh, the hot oh. take that I'm... I will take, I will take a burger on that one, right? <laughs> a burger bet. Burger was one. Definitely a burger bet. The, the double's a punt, right? The, the, double the amount of Trevor Lawrence is a bit of a reach, right? But I think it's possible. I think it's possible. Where are you getting this nonsense from? What? I, I think it's going to happen. I think a combination of the Jets taking a big step forward and the Jags just continuing to be the Jacksonville Jags. You do know that two is the double of one, don't you? Yeah, well, exactly. Two is the double of one. And, 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 and do you know, maybe four is the double of two. Uh, and that might be as good as it gets. Um, an interesting point, though, that Ian touched on there is I think that Wilson is a flashier player. And I wonder as well whether Zach Wilson getting six wins for the Jets and being flashy would be a better season than Mac Jones getting nine wins and being a dump off for the Patriots. Hang on, hang on. We can get back to that in a minute. We need to reverse back to this burger bet. This the, uh, I did say, look, I said it might happen. I didn't say it definitely would. However... No, 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 no. You cannot, on this podcast, we have standards that we need to uphold. Put <laughs> your head on the block, Cobbs. <laughs> Exactly. The integrity of saying, oh, I'm ready to bet that he'll win double the amount of games. Or If you've said that, you've said it. You put put your burger where your this, mouth is. This, well, I would yeah, love to you, put the burger where my mouth is. Unfortunately, at the moment, I'm putting a burger where someone else's mouth is, and that's my worry. <laughs> Do you know what? Fine. Yeah, but Fine. Mitchell. Gordon's claiming we've got standards. Yeah, I know. I, that, that well, that's a, that's a, that's know, a hot take in itself. standards to uphold. <laughs> Thank you, Gordon. Um, right, uh, fine. Do you know what, Gordon? I'll take it. I'll take it. Zach Wilson will win double the games that uh, Trevor Lawrence will in 2021. You're going to have to um, phone ahead to the golf tavern on Sunday with all these pre-order burgers. It's fine. This one can't be won until next season, so we're totally fine. <laughs> uh, incidentally, McGuinness, you're still due me a bottle of whiskey. Just, just that's all I'm saying. That's not been forgotten about. But yeah, I will, I will bring that on Sunday. Fine. <laughs> okay. 
bollocks. Um, right, okay, let's move on from the good stuff because we've been talking about MVPs, rookies of the year. Let's talk about the Diddies. Which team in 2021 is going to have the worst record in the NFL? The Detroit Lions because they don't have a kicker. <laughs> Unless something's changed since I last checked. They do now. No, they do now. Oh, right. Who have they signed as a kicker? Can't remember. I mean, doesn't... exactly irrelevant. He's not going to get any work anyway, apart from does kickoffs. That, does that change your view any? No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. They are. Uh, I mean, Dan Campbell, the, the new head coach, has signed a six-year contract. I think now that is admirable forward planning by the Detroit Lions because. Listen, and I feel a little bit of sympathy for Jared Goff because, you know, a couple of years ago he was in the Super Bowl. Now he's literally throwing to people who he's probably never even heard of before. This franchise historically has been dysfunctional. It is now re reiterating and restructuring the whole concept of the word dysfunctional. I cannot see how they're going to win a game. Now they might win one or two, with a bit of luck. I think they won one in Atlanta last year when Todd Gurley accidentally scored a touchdown when he shouldn't have done. But they're not going to get that lucky this year. And I cannot see any way at all that Detroit are going to win anything um, that's going to be meaningful. And I think they're going to be the number one pick in the draft next year. Unless, of course, um, Houston are are worse. But I don't... I don't. I can see Houston winning a game because Tyrell Taylor is relatively serviceable and he's got a couple of people to throw to. I don't think... And and they play in a weaker division. The NFC North is a stronger division than the AFC South. So I can't see any other team than the Detroit being the worst team in the league. Texans just traded away one of their starting cornerbacks. They signed players this season in free agency with a view to trading them. Deshaun Watson is not going to play for that franchise this year. They've all but said that. It's the Houston Texans. I mean, David Culley was set up for absolute failure unless they're willing to give him a minimum of three years. That is a franchise that is not going to be good this year. Detroit, Dan Campbell, I think, I weirdly thought he was almost like a parody at first. And he's really grown on me. And I think players are going to really enjoy playing for him. Um, and I think that will probably get him to win three, maybe four games. I, I don't know that Houston are going to win a game this year. I, I'm struggling to see, as, as bad as the AFC South is, Maybe they win one, two, I, I, three. Three wins feels like their absolute ceiling. The first own seventeen team to be the Houston Texans. I, I don't know that I disagree, I, and I think that I'm not sure that there's any other teams really are in the conversation for the worst right now. Uh, now, you know. Asterisks next to this. Injuries can happen. Things can come along you don't expect. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow goes down right away again. The Bengals are going to be back in that conversation. You know, obviously there's stuff like that. Coming into it clean with everybody raring to go, those feel like the two teams. The over-under at the moment for those sides at, uh, with the bookies is four wins for the Texans and five for the Lions. Uh, then there's a bunch of teams on six, the Jets, the Jags. Uh, there's a couple of teams on six and a half. Uh, really... Yeah, Cameron, you've you've made this ridiculous prediction that the Jets are actually going to be good this year. Um, I can't see how the Jets are going to win a game in their division. So immediately you're own six, and it, with a rookie quarterback, okay, there's a new head coach and new culture. They're, they've got such a long way to go. I think the Jets are not going to be too far away. How do how do they improve on a two win season? Do they double it? <laughs> It'd be an improvement. Lucky. It would be an improvement. <laughs> if they're lucky, but they're going to be in the top three or four picks again next year. So I don't think the Jets are going to be too far away from those two duds that we've just discussed. I don't think the Jets are going to be sensational. I don't. Th I think six is their ceiling. Um, I don't see it being any higher than that. But I, I think they could win an in-division game. I think that they can. Um, I, I love this. So you you think there's a good chance the Texans go 0 and 17? which gives the Jaguars two wins, and you think six wins is the Jets' absolute ceiling, yep. which means that you don't think the Jaguars have much of a chance to win... Anybody else. Two more games. No, have you two, seen their schedule? You are, you are two games away from giving up a burger. I, I'm feeling more confident by the second. 
Um, I, I see what you've done there, uh, and and stitch me up uh, or stitch myself up is probably the best. Now I think this is these things can both be true that uh, we can have an zero seventeen Houston Texans, and that we can have a six win Jets where Zach Wilson wins double the games as <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. I'm sticking to it. Shut your face, right? Uh, Ian, Paul, anything to add? Any other teams to throw into the mix? I think yeah, if, I you mean, look uh, at, if you look at um, the injury uh, scenario that will strike at least one team, I think there's two teams that cannot deal with their starting quarterback going down and two teams who I think their starting quarterback is primed to get snapped if somebody comes anywhere near them. I think it's the Steelers and the, the Bucks. I think if Rufflesburger or Brady goes down, uh, those seasons are completely wiped out. For those teams, I, I can't see them winning any games at all. And out of the two, I think uh, Pittsburgh has got more of a risk of losing their starting quarterback just because of Rufflesburger's style of play and also his history of injuries and also the level of the offensive line in Pittsburgh. Um, that could well be the team that you end up seeing in the mix for the number one draft pick along with uh, the Texans and or the, the Lions. It's all uh, prevalent on whether Rufflesburger survives, but I think compared to everybody else in the NFL, he might have the, the biggest chance of receiving some sort of injury that puts him out for the year. Do you put the Seahawks into that same conversation then? If Russell Wilson goes down, do you see the Seahawks having a very similar trajectory? Nah, they've got Geno Smith. He's amazing. <laughs> I think the, the the Seahawks are going to struggle anyway. I, 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 I've seen them touted for 11 or 12 games. Russell Wilson is the luckiest quality. He's quality, uh, right? I'm, and I know I'm going to be... He's you're, a yeah, quality you're player. He's a quality player. But fortune favours Russell Wilson. He's got um, some kind of curse or deal with some kind of entity. Um, definitely. Um, Seattle's not. <laughs> Seattle is necessarily a happy place. Is obviously Russell Wilson's been chuntering away about. In fact, he wasn't. He wasn't entirely content with what they were doing as a franchise and suggestions he wanted to be traded. But I mean, look. At the end of the day, any any team that has got a franchise quarterback, a quarterback that has won an MVP or has taken the team to the Super Bowl, as soon as they go down, I mean, if, if you know if. We saw with Baltimore last year when Lamar wasn't playing, RG3 was an absolute complete wipeout in comparison. Although I'm told apparently Baltimore have got a massive upgrade at that position this year. If if Green Bay lose Aaron Rodgers, then you know nobody knows what Jordan Love's going to do, and I think it's probably a lost season. Equally, if you know if if Josh Allen goes down. Then you're having to wheel out Mitch Trubisky. That's a massive downgrade. I so cannot stress how insufferable, more more insufferable than usual, I'm going to be if Aaron Rodgers goes down and Jordan Love turns out to not be good for this <laughs> podcast. The amount of times that Charles Patterson has defended that draft pick. If Rodgers goes down, Jordan Love plays and proves that he is terrible. I'm going to be insufferable. Listen, I'm, I'm, you wouldn't I'm, want someone to get injured. I'm with Charles on it. If you're a smart franchise, you draft a, a good backup quarterback or you bring in a talented veteran. Teams that go in with players like David Luton as your backup, then you're not going to have a successful season because it all boils down to the, the teams that make the Super Bowl or the teams with the two healthiest quarterbacks. That's the way it works. Yeah. I'll go. I'll go beyond that. I'll say, if you're a smart franchise, if you can't get a veteran who's remotely capable, get a guy who's fast or who can win in the running game. Be the team who we saw the Eagles last year look all right when Jalen Hurts took over. Didn't even need to be good as a passer. You can make some things in the running game. We saw the Ravens when they went to Lamar Jackson for the first time, and he was not good as a passer. Still go on like a huge winning streak. If you can present something that other teams struggle to to defend against. Um, and, and teams struggle against quarterbacks can impact in the running game. You look at the impact that Josh Allen being able to run has, has impacted teams. Go and get a quarterback who can make things difficult in that in that regard, and you can you can go on like a late season run. Paul Mitchell, last word on this goes to you. Which team is going to finish with the worst record this year? Um, I'm, I'm not convinced Texans will be as bad as we perhaps think. I think they'll leak out a win or two, but I think it's between between the ones that we've mentioned. I think he makes a fair point. Teams that fail to prepare 
at quarterback are the ones that leave themselves wide open to failure. And that's why I'm delighted when Winston goes down in week 40 and Hill comes in and guides us to the playoffs. It'll be great. Oh, uh, uh, okay, moving on to the biggest bust in 2021. Mitchell, this is about rookies. Jameis Winston is not a rookie. He is disqualified from the conversation for this. Who's going to be 2021's biggest draft bust? Who wants to kick this one off? Should we start with Jamar Chase already in legal troubles? <laughs> it's a solid place to start. Start with his inability to catch the ball as like a bust. Yeah. Historically, the first round for wide receivers has not been a very accurate stomping ground. It's been difficult to select, even though you've got these guys coming out of college with sensational um, metrics. And Chase looked absolutely fantastic. There's something about a wide receiver mindset that that leaves them prone to self-destruction. And you just don't know what kind of guy you're you're getting in. And out of the, the top wide receivers that are Picked him. You've got Chase, Waddle, um, Kadarius Tony, um, and Devontae Smith. Well, at least one of them is going to be an absolute flame out and, and disappear from the NFL within a couple of seasons, statistically. And there's going to be somebody in the sixth round that's going to end up being an all pro uh, from wide receiver. It always happens. I feel sorry for the guys who have been drafted high, but have been drafted into really bad situations. Um, and it happens every year. And the one that I've read, you know, I've read a lot about, and I go back to the Lions, is Penny Sue, who was drafted. I mean, the best tackle in the draft, apparently one of the best tackles of the last five, ten years. And they're playing him on the opposite side of the line. He's not a happy bunny at all, and he's also having to protect Jared Goff, who not that long ago was belittling the Lions as a franchise. So that is not a happy marriage. And if you've got a player. Who, Ultimately, who okay is a rookie. He's got a lot to prove. He's coming in and he's not. He's not in a in a healthy situation because of the franchise and the state that it's in. Then that can only lead one way, and that franchise is going nowhere. So I I, I fear for him, even though you know he's a top prospect. You know he's gonna he's he's destined for years of purgatory. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I, I, sorry, on you go, Paul. Sorry, nobody will be as bad. I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy that the Titans took in the first round. And I think oh, was I Wilson? The, yeah, saw, saw the field from a from, from a skybox, and that was probably about it. You know, I think I don't think we're going to see another bust like that because I think that's probably encouraged teams to just be a little bit more circumspect in who they actually draft at certain times because that that really was a bad one. I, I think Sewell's a great pick for for the biggest bust. Now, to Charles's point. He was a very, very good left tackle in college. Uh, you took a guy who I think he didn't play as much because of COVID. Um, so you wind up a guy who d- comes into the NFL having not played as many snaps. You decide to move him sides. The other issue Sewell has is that the NFL does have this cut off in terms of arm length and things like that. And I think Sewell's right around, right around, around that, right around that cut off. There we go. Um, and then you move it to the right side. Like all those things just contribute to a guy who he's looked awful in the preseason. And when you, you know, look at all the reasons why, it's not surprising, but it's very hard to see that being fixed anytime soon in the short term. Is there a risk that any one of the top five quarterbacks ends up being uh, the biggest bust? Uh, I'm, I'm, my worry bead here is that one off either Justin Fields or Trey Lance is going to work out to be a bust. Um, both have a lot of upside, but both have the style of play that has the tendency to be attributed to players that don't last very long in the NFL. Probably more likely that four of them are bust than none. The balance probability for NFL quarterbacks yeah. is... And, and the odds are, um, unfortunately for Justin Fields coming out of Ohio State, where they don't really produce many good quarterbacks in the NFL, that it might be him, but... And he's played for Chicago. Sorry, Chicago fans. <laughs> I keep banging on about this every week, and I feel really bad. But no, you don't. No, no you I really don't. don't. Right, fine. Okay. How many, how many great Alabama quarterbacks have we had in the NFL? I think Mike Jones is going to be good. I think he's going to be potentially rookie of the year. But they haven't, they haven't had that many. Like they've they've put some Joe people. <laughs> Joe Namath. Yeah. <laughs> All right. In recent memory. <laughs> 
in modern day. Yes. Um. Yep. Well, hopefully no one's a busty. Let's hope they're all sensational and they all go on to have great careers. Okay, what we're going to do now is we do have a Super Bowl prediction to make. We will get to that in a minute. But before we do that, we actually went to Twitter uh, and we asked for people to give their suggestions for some predictions for us to make. So I'm going to go through and just select a couple here. Um, we're going to pick one up here right away from Steve Collins. He asks, how many interceptions will James Winston throw before Paul has a proper volcanic meltdown? Uh, what will the game be and which player will make the interception? Uh, l- let me tell you, I mean, if we're, if we're, we're talking about hot takes. Yeah. Okay, so my hot take is the Saints don't have a winning season. Now, that's causing a lot of friction in the Mitchell household, I can tell you. But that that is my hot take. We're not going to have a winning season. But let me add the rest of the sentence with Winston under centre. Okay, so there we go. I think he's an interception we've seen. That's going to cause us problems. Life will be better when Taysom rides to the rescue. And I was going to wear uh, a brand new Taysom Hill Saints jersey uh, to our golf tavern event on Sunday. Uh, Two things were the problem. One, it might not have arrived in time. And to be honest, I'm far too tight to buy another jersey at the moment. So it ain't happening. (laughs) The second one's the more. I was going to say. Uh, I was going to say the biggest problem is that it's been dropped somewhere, uh, so you're not totally sure exactly where it's going to show up. Um, somewhere across the line, somewhere. Um, anyway, right, yeah. Aaron, can we just say that the, the point that Paul is going to have a mass freak out is not going to be anything to do with James Winston interceptions. It's going to be when James Winston throws a touchdown. And the NFL Scotland group chat begins to roast him for the fact that James has looked half decent because he's already had two or three moments in the preseason where he's been like that. When he throws it over Jair Alexander's head and it lands in Callaway's arms for a 60-yard touchdown, we're going to be able to noise up both Paul and Charles at the same time. And this is going to be a weird scenario, right? We're going to love it. We're going to milk it for all it's worth. Can't wait. <laughs> so the answer to that is game one, uh, Jair Alexander. <laughs> that's where that's where the the tantrum comes. Anyway, right? Okay, fine. Um, couple of other ones that we've come through. Then NFC East division winner total. Obviously, we talked a lot about the NFC East last year and the fact that the winning team had a losing record. Ian, we're going to start with you as our resident NFC East fan because Jamie's not here to defend himself what team's winning it and how many wins are they getting um, I think it's going to be uh, whose turn is it who won it last who won it last year Washington Washington <laughs> uh, let's say the Giants yeah. <laughs> and how many wins uh, they'll probably have to gain I would say one more than the team in second place. Yep. So that's probably the best (laughs) that anyone could give, I would think. Yeah. So just watch and enjoy. Don't don't worry about who's going to get them. Just watch it and enjoy. Let it be a surprise to you. I'm not going to tell you exactly the number. The race to the bottom. Always (laughs) that. Oh. (laughs) You saying ten. I'm saying nine. Gordon's saying nine. I'm saying nine. I think the NFC East is going to be one. I don't think it's going to be the worst division in football next year. I think it's going to be better than people expect. And I think the winner wins 10 games. And, and I still think it's a, a, a really decent shot as the New York Giants. Okay. Well, so. That, I, I just hope we get a chance to see some of the games on telly because it's been ages since we watched the NFC East. <laughs> I um, think. Um, if Dak stays fit, I think Dallas win the division and I think they win it with 10. But I think they only need nine. Um, they're not going to win tomorrow night against Tampa, but they've got the offensive power. They've got the offensive power that they can do it. And I think they're, 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 they're offensively, they're the best team in the division. The only question is, is they're gonna, are they going to have to score 50 points to win every week? Is the game in Tampa uh, tomorrow night? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, I would maybe take an odds on a draw. Because how many times have we seen Tampa's opening game uh, delayed by thunder and lightning? Um, so if you can get odds in a draw, maybe uh, maybe stick a tenner in that because you never know. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll finish it week three. Um, 
So there's another burger bet on the line here, and it's actually for all of us. Um, we talked at the very top of this podcast about uh, the exciting new relationship that we've got with Loch Lomond Whiskies. So Tony, who we've been working with over there, he's an Eagles fan and listens to the podcast regularly. He has pitched a burger bet to all of us. He says this is open to any single one of us that wants to get involved, and he bets us a burger that the Eagles will go from worst to the playoffs. I'll take that. Absolutely. Yeah, does, it, does, he, playoffs. does he need to know the condiments I want at this stage, or can I just wait till I actually get it on the night? <laughs> okay, so that's, that's Charles and Paul in. Uh, I will. I need to try and win back as many burgers as I could possibly get, so I'll be jumping on that one. Uh, Ian Gordon? I'm not taking any bet which is on any team to not be able to be the seventh seed in either conference. No, not difficult. Like we we saw the teams that went, you know, we saw the teams that were the seven seeds in the NFL last year. It's not, it's not some massive thing that you could be a a, a sub five hundred team and go to the playoffs. I'm not, I'm not taking that bet. Oh, there you go. So one out of it. it the, the NFC is a dire conference in comparison to the AFC, but the Eagles are not one of the best seven teams in that conference. Not a chance. I think the Eagles are if the Eagles are are healthy. Uh, the Eagles had the NFL record for the most offensive line combinations uh, last season. And if the Eagles' offensive line is fit, it's one of the top five best in the NFL. So um, if the Eagles are healthy, which they haven't been for like three seasons, then the Eagles could absolutely romp that division. But I'm not convinced that the Eagles would stay healthy. So are you are you taking the burger bet, Ian, or are you up? There's no lo- there's no lose for me if uh, I I ever get a burger or the Eagles make the playoffs. So <laughs> Ian's in. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, right? So there you go, Tony. I know you'll be listening. That's four of us. We'll speak to Jamie Borthwick. He's a Giants fan. He'll bite on that, I'm sure. Um, it's only Gordon that's went out with that one uh, because uh, because anyone can. Oh no, that's I'll leave that for Daggers. That's his game, right? Um, Okay, moving on, and let's have a look at some of the other questions. Okay, so Jamie McDonald has asked, and it's basically, who's the 2021 Steelers? Team that's brilliant in the regular season, but absolutely bombs in the playoffs. Who's the best candidate for that? And I'm going to say, because I already put money on, a burger on them making the postseason, I'm going to say the Bears. I think the Bears could be really good during the season, surprisingly, if Justin Fields comes in. And I think that they'll do really well, slow start possibly, pick it up brilliantly, into the postseason, instant flop. LA Rams. LA Rams. They are, uh, I think, a unanimous pick to get to the playoffs. And I just think they're going to struggle getting over the hump. Matthew Stafford's never won a playoff game. And, you know, you get to December, you get to January. Last year, they were unlucky. Aaron Donald got injured, but you've got to suck it up. If you best, if your best players don't produce, then or if they're injured, then you've got to have the depth. And on the face of it, they're a good team, but I don't think they're better than maybe the wild card round. Can I, can I just remind folk about the, the Bonnie Sauce Pick'em competition? Because I'm just looking at that just now. San Francisco 49ers, 95% favoured. To beat the Detroit Lions, asking for I, trouble. I, I think there's, a, I think there's a problem there. You know, San Francisco. I, I'm not convinced. I'm actually very tempted here to take the Lions. Now, somebody could try and talk me out of that, but there's just something about San Francisco travelling east or opening weekend that I'm not convinced about here. Well, I couldn't talk you out of murdering that backpacker. There's no way I'm talking you out of taking that bet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my friend. <laughs> um, okay, so Mike Douglas, has he came in with the NFC East Division winner totally. He's also got another one. And we'll do this as the last one before we move on to our Super Bowl prediction. Ranking order of passing yards in the regular season. Okay, the four quarterbacks. Mahomes, Stafford, Matt Ryan, and Aaron Rodgers. What is the one, two, three, four rank on those quarterbacks? Ryan's number one. Ryan is number one. Yeah, because okay. they because they'll they'll need to chase games the most. Okay. So we have what Mahomes, Rogers. Who was the it's other one? Mahomes, Rogers, Ryan, and Stafford. Uh, Ryan, Stafford, 
Rogers Mahomes. Nah, not having that. I would say it would be Mahomes, Ryan, Rogers, Stafford. Because I think uh, I don't think LA will score as many points. No, but they're going to be chasing games though. They don't I don't think they will be. No, I don't think. I think the, Ram, the Rams will win points. I think they'll win games on defense because they've got one of the best defenses in the league. I think that they'll play more conservative than you would expect. They've brought Stafford in to be the extra gambit when they need him. He he can do the things that Goff couldn't do, but I don't think they're going. To, I I think you'll be you'll struggle to see Matthew Stafford throw over four thousand yards. I would say. Yeah, I've got Mahomes, uh, Ryan, Rogers, Stafford. I've got Stafford at the bottom as well. Ian, I don't think there's any bigger waste of my time than answering that question. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll jump in and give my wasted time. Um, I also have Ryan at the top. I've got Roger second, Mahomes, and then Stafford at the bottom. Uh, and at the bottom too, because there's no run game, which means they're going to throw it a lot, uh, and it means that they're going to end up getting picked off a little bit more. So, yeah, that's fine. Okay, right, Super Bowl prediction time. This is this is the big prediction. Now, what I want is your NFC and AFC. So who's in the Super Bowl, and then who wins it? Uh, and I'm going- Thank you, because I... Thanks for explaining that because I had no idea what you meant by pick who's going to the Super Bowl. But thank you. <laughs> Just, it's been a long day. It's been a long podcast. It's been the the usual shambles when we all get together like this. Um, I tell you what, it's like herding cats with you lot. I, I, I tell you, I have to think about this and articulate myself and try and think up stuff. Okay, um, and I'm going to pick on people. So, uh, Charles Patterson, you're up first. Super Bowl. Who's in it? Who wins it? Is this with my heart or my head? This could be whatever you want to use. <laughs> right. So I, th- I said I think Buffalo can make the Super Bowl. I'm going to stick my neck out on the line and say that Buffalo are going to get to the Super Bowl. And I think that in the NFC, there's only three, maybe four teams that can make it. I think, what the hey, I think Green Bay will make it third time lucky. And in the Super Bowl... It's a toss of a coin between two teams like that. It really depends which defence shows up on the day. And, you know, I'm, I'm leaning at the moment because I'm not entirely convinced by the Green Bay defence. I'm leaning towards Buffalo, but I could be wrong. So I'm going to say Buffalo v Green Bay and Bills to win the Super Bowl. Go Bills. Woo-hoo. Ian Steven. Oh, from the AFC, I want it to be Indianapolis. Um, because that means the Eagles will probably get another first-round draft pick from the Wentz trade. <laughs> but I think um, you, you've got to uh, you've got to kind of be sensible and go for the Patriots because they always find a way somehow. And um, you can imagine uh, Mac Jones being that kind of story that Belichick takes him under his wing and becomes Brady 2.0. Um, so we'll go with the Patriots from the AFC. And from the NFC, uh, I'm going to go with the uh, Jameis Winston-led New Orleans Saints. Um, <laughs> I think people are doing uh, the Saints a disservice because they've got one of the best coaches in, in NFL history. Winston is a fantastic quarterback if he learns to be careful with, with the ball. Um, and I could see them, the Superdome is maybe the, the biggest home field advantage in the, the NFL. Um, so I can see the Saints going all the way. And a, a Saints-Patriots uh, Super Bowl, I think, would be highly entertaining. And who wins it out of the two? I think it would be... Where is the Super Bowl this year? LA. Yeah, it's in LA. LA. Los Angeles. Patriots. Patriots, Patriots in LA. Okay. Gordon McGuinness. I'm going to be a complete homer. I don't even care. I think the Ravens go in the Super Bowl this year. Uh, and I think we're going to get a rematch of Super Bowl 35. As I have said numerous times in this podcast, I think the Giants are a dark horse this year. And I think we're going to get Ravens-Giants and the Ravens are going to win. Also, I'm going to use this point because I got shut out of the last question of the, oh. the team of the regular season darlings and uh, postseason not. And I'm going to offer a burger bet to Charles Patterson. The Green Bay Packers will not win a playoff game this year. This season. Okay, I'm taking that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I I see. This is what I mean. Herding cats. It's hard to keep track. Um... Apologies to anyone out there who uh, 
didn't like that language, but I think that's a very um, dirty burger bit, I have to say. <laughs> well, so I'm looking at it, I've got two ways. see your rank. I can't I've, see how they're not going to win a playoff game. I've got, I've got two ways that I can win this. So one, they don't make the Rodgers gets hurt and they don't make the playoffs. Two, they're great, they're the number one seed, and they don't play until this divisional round of the playoffs, and they play a good team. The Bucks. That's what happened last, happened last year. <laughs> and then they won. I don't think they will be the number one seed, but I think they'll win a playoff game. Ooh. Ooh. I don't, I, there's the, the quality in the NFC, unless I am completely mistaken, is not there. There are probably three, possibly four good teams in that conference. And the rest is bang average. So I think they will. But I'm happy to take that. Extra cheese on top, please. Paul Mitchell. Okay. Um, Cleveland Browns. It's their year. So Cleveland Browns and the Brady-led Bucks are going back to the Super Bowl. And the Browns and the Scottish Hammer are going to have a Super Bowl ring. There you go. That would be magnificent for Jamie. I think Scotland could get behind that, I'm sure. Um, okay, so I am boring, clearly, as hell. I've got a repeat of the Super Bowl last year. I've got the Chiefs making it again. Uh, I've got them playing the Bucks, and I've got the Bucks winning again. I've, I've got Brady beating Mahomes two years in a row because that's the only thing to top off the Brady fest. There's a word that goes before that that I'm not going to put in because it's a family show um, about him being the GOAT because he beats the next GOAT to the first few times he plays him in the Super Bowl. I think that there's a narrative there that we'll hear about forever. You know, Mahomes won his first Super Bowl but lost the next two to the mighty Tom Brady um, and it'll be pumped into our ears for years to come. Um, so yeah, I but, can't. I can't think of anything more tedious. Last season was the worst season in NFL history. <laughs> it was excruciatingly turgid and flat. And I'm hoping this season with the fans back, it's going to be fantastic. And Brady's put to pasture forever, and we can move on. <laughs> and Mahomes as well. He's he started to uh, outdo his his shine. He's starting to get tiresome as well all this Mahomes nonsense it's uh, it's Mac Jones time we need to get used to it Mac Jones for the next 25 years if I was able to send a message to um, Dallas and Micah Parsons it would be just whack him in week one take him out of the equation enable burgers to come my way and make the season far more interesting and exciting and see what Tampa can actually do without basically rigging the books. That's what I would say. So I've got a follow-up question from this. If Cameron's right, and that is what happens, and we will have had Brady against Mahomes in two Super Bowls and an AFC Championship, what is the better quarterback rivalry for Brady? Is it Mahomes or Peyton Manning? It's always Manning. It is, it, yeah, it's got to be. I think it's always got to be Manning. Two Super Bowls, though. Yeah, I I agree that it's a great question and it's a great point, but that Manning rivalry was they were they were they were at the same point in their career for me. I think and it was makes deeper. that that head to head. They're also doing things that never been done before. Brady back then is better than Brady is now. I think as a as a quarterback, um, and it was more on him to to be involved. He's got he's got an all star team there, um, and I think that that's yeah. I I totally get what you're saying, but I think that Brady Manning head to head is magnificent. That that's a that's a Hogan Ultimate Warrior head to head. Those two had it really is. <laughs> All those great AFC um, conference matchups and playoff games that they played against each other. Um, you, you know, you were fighting for top dog, and actually, when you got to the Super Bowl, it didn't really matter who you were playing. I, all, you know, all the classic playoff games. I think they, they played each other so many times. You can't really. I think it's a totally different ball game. When I mean, Rogers and Brady have not got a rivalry because they're in two different conferences and they never really met. So you can't call that a rivalry, and they're they're oh, pretty because Aaron Rodgers got his time. Yeah, is who brought who brought Aaron Rodgers into the conversation? Well, who cares? No, no, the but the the it's the it's the comparison. Mahomes and Brady are in essentially two different conferences. So I mean, you know, apart from the the conference game the first year that they played, and 
I don't know. I don't think it would matter. I don't think it matters because Brady's at the end of his career. Brady's got nothing left to prove. So whereas the, they were both, him and Manning were both trying to push the boundaries, as Cameron put it. So that will always be probably the best rivalry for me. Yeah. I think that's probably about the full-time whistle then for episode 159 of the NFL Scotland podcast. And the last time we chat on the pod before the NFL season gets underway. Thank you for taking the time to listen, to interact. Uh, make sure that you share your thoughts on this and every podcast uh, by contacting us on social media, at Scotland NFL on Twitter and NFL Scotland on Facebook. Yeah, the talking's about to stop. The action is about to start. Please do enjoy Dallas against Tampa Bay. And remember, our new sponsor, Loch Lomond, brilliant bottled whiskey coming our way, 55 bottles, and you'll have a chance to win one each and every week of the regular season. So do get involved in the Belter competition for that. My thanks to Gordon, to Charles, to Ian, and to Cameron. Enjoy your football. We'll be back with our podcast next week, looking at all the stories that came out of week one. Until then, bye for now.